Welcome back to the Fearless Flyer. Today is episode 26. Terrain, EGPWS, and TCAS. I am one of your hosts, James, and joining me today is Grant. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to episode 26 of the Fearless Flyer. Looking forward to having a chat about this one, James. So in the last episode, uh, we discussed fuel and fuel policy. And in this episode, we're going to discuss the ground proximity warning system called GPWS and the traffic collision avoidance system, which we refer to as TCAS. So I guess uh, we'll start off with the GPWS. Did you want us to discuss what that is? Yeah, okay. The ground or um, the terrain, it doesn't interact too well with aircraft unless there is a long enough runway carved into it and the aircraft's in the right place to subsequently land on it. So back in the late uh, 1960s, there are a number of crashes where aircraft, which were under control and functioning properly, flew into the ground, or another term that we use in aviation, set of ground as the terrain. Yeah, that's right, James. And the crew, they were completely oblivious and unaware that they were about to fly into this terrain. And some of the reasons for them flying into the terrain were the weather conditions or poor approach designs or pilots not following procedures, fatigue. A big one was pilot disorientation, or another one we use for pilot disorientation as a loss of situational awareness. So these sad and unfortunate accidents were termed CFIT, which stands for Controlled Flight into Terrain. And so the definition of a CFIT, or Controlled Flight into Terrain, as stated by IATA in their safety report, is an accident in which there is an in-flight collision with terrain, water, or an obstacle without indication of a loss of control. Yeah, that's right. So as a result of the CFIT accidents, Beginning early in the 1970s, a number of studies were done on these sad events, and it was concluded that these accidents could have been avoided if a new concept called the Terrain Awareness and Warning System, or TORS, or what we better know as being the actual device which is implemented into the aircraft called the Ground Proximity Warning System, GPWS, if that had been incorporated into the aircraft avionics systems there would have been a significant reduction in these historical accidents or incidents. So this ground proximity warning system, or GPWS, how does it actually work? The system, it monitors the aircraft's height above the ground using an onboard radar altimeter. You might recall when we talked about the instruments in episode 21, where we discussed the actual altimeter, but the actual altimeter that we use in the aeroplane, it's a barometric pressure altimeter. And thus, if you place the wrong barometric pressure into the instrument, it would give an incorrect altitude reading. So a radar altimeter uses radar technology to basically bounce signals off the terrain, and therefore it reduces the human error in setting up the altimeter. So this radar altimeter basically just monitors the height of the aircraft above the ground, tracks these readings on your instruments. Yeah, that's right, it does. And the system combined with the radar altimeter it makes assumptions based on predetermined criteria to calculate trends, and it will warn the flight crew accordingly via oral or visual messages. And these predetermined criteria are what we call modes. So, for example, some of these modes on the Boeing aircraft and Airbus aircraft, to my knowledge, are similar as well. And what you'll hear is the actual oral warning. So here's some examples. Altitude loss after takeoff. Don't sink. Don't sink. Don't sink. Unsafe terrain. Too low terrain. 
excessive deviation below glide slope. Glide slope. Excessive steep bank angle. Bank angle, bank angle, bank angle, bank angle. And the reading out of the height above the ground during landing, such as this. 2,500, 1,500, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10. However, the problem with this earlier GPWS system is that it could only gather data from directly beneath the aircraft. So a rapid change in terrain like a rising hill would not be detected. And the closure rate might be at such a rate that it's way too late to avoid this rising terrain in front of the aircraft's trajectory. However, luckily for us, technological advancements are on the side of safety. And in the late 90s, a new and more advanced system was implemented called EGPWS, which stands for Enhanced Ground Proximity Warning System. Yeah, the EGPWS basically was a new system and it used a worldwide digital database. And you've got to think as technology went along, there was a greater storage capacity in computers. So that was quite advantageous here. So this digital database coupled with the global positioning system or the GPS. So now the combination of all this we got the EGPWS, the Enhanced Ground Proximity Warning System, and it uses the onboard computers with the database of the Earth's terrain and the GPS, and this is displayed to a pilot giving a visual position of the terrain relative to the aircraft. Prior to the mandating of GPWS and aircraft, large passenger aircraft were involved in three and a half fatal CFIT accidents per year. After 1974, when the US FAA mandated that GPWS be part of any large commercial aircraft systems, there has not been a single passenger fatality in a CFIT crash by a large commercial aircraft in US airspace. That's not to say that it didn't happen elsewhere in the world, as the earlier GPWS system still had this blind spot where it couldn't look ahead. However, as we've just discussed, the enhanced GPWS the terrain database and the GPS has resolved this, has helped to overcome this blind spot ahead of the aircraft. However, a further weakness in the system is pilots not adhering to a warning because they think they know better. Well, let's just finish up this uh, GPWS discussion on this pilot weakness and what our reactions are to an EGPWS warning. The reason an EGBWS warning has gone off is because a predetermined mode has figured out that things aren't good. And despite the pilot thinking they know where they are, the crew may have become situationally unaware due to any number of reasons. So the rules of the EGBWS warning are universal. You react to the call appropriately unless you're in visual flight conditions and you can clearly ascertain with 100% certainty that the aircraft is not going to engage with terrain, and thus the warning is actually spurious. So a warning such as this here. Terrain, terrain, pull up, terrain, terrain, pull up, terrain, terrain, pull up. Disengage the autopilot, disengage the autothrottle. We aggressively apply maximum thrust. We roll the wings level to an initial pitch of 20 degrees nose up, and we retract the speed brakes. If the train is getting closer, then we keep pitching the nose up to the pitch limit or till we get the stall and the control column. That's pretty much the figures that we use for all Boeing aircraft offline, and I'm sure the Airbus will be something similar. So most large jet transport aircraft, they'd have a similar response procedure to what I've just outlined here. 
as the system has become extremely reliable, we as pilots have complete trust in that system and we're trained to react immediately to such a warning. And as I said, the only exception would be if we were in clear daylight with very good visibility, whereby we could ascertain with 100% that the warning is actually spurious. So yeah, the introduction of glass cockpits, e.g. PWS, better training, just to name a few points, has reduced these CFIT accidents by 86% in the period between 2001 and 2020. So you can just imagine how much of a reduction in CFIT accidents there has been since large passenger jets roamed the skies in the 70s compared to that of today, all thanks to this EPGWS system and better pilot training. It would be interesting to see those figures, but they're monumental. And the planes we used to be crashing all the time into terrain, not intentionally, of course, but uh, yeah, we hardly hear of it nowadays. Anyway, enough about EGPWS. Let's talk about avoiding other aircraft in the sky. In the earlier days of aviation, planes, they plotted along at a very low speed and they flew around in visual conditions. And the rules were quite simple. You look out the window and you avoided other aeroplanes by just simply looking out the window. However, moving forward to the modern era of aviation, you're flying at night in clouds and high-speed jets uh, with the closing speed of two jets in excess of the sound barrier. Looking out of the window to avoid other aircraft does not really work anymore. So with lots of planes flying around and air traffic control doing a great job of keeping them all separated, it's inevitable that sometimes something might go wrong and two aircraft are going to meet at exactly the same point in the atmosphere. It's not good, and this will never generate a lot of paperwork. Yes, that's, uh, that is an issue, paperwork. So in the 1950s, a lot of research was being done into how planes could use their instrumentation to warn each other that they were getting close to one another. And in the 1970s, Technology was getting better, and a device to help air traffic control was implemented called transponders. Now, these transponders, they sent a signal to air traffic control from the aircraft so that air traffic control didn't need to see the other aircraft on a radar. In essence, the aircraft was sending the air traffic controllers a message with its location, direction of travel, altitude, and whether it was climbing or descending, and its speed. Some uh, bright person worked out that the same system would allow aircraft to talk to each other, and thus there was born the Traffic Alert and Collision Avoidance System, or as we know it as, uh, by the acronym TCAS. Yeah, as a result, in 1981, the FAA announced this new TCAS system, and later in the 80s, the TCAS system was starting to be implemented into aircraft avionics systems in the United States. The ICEO, which is the International Civil Aviation Organization, subsequently mandated that the Airborne Collision Avoidance System should be implemented onto all aircraft over 5,700 kilos or 12,600 pounds, or in aircraft authorized to carry more than 19 people. Yeah, so this system, it operates completely independently of ground-based equipment, and it provided information and advice to the pilot of a potential conflict with another aircraft. The displays on the flight deck instruments were initially quite basic, but nowadays most aircraft avionic systems have advanced significantly and provide information on their map displays of aircraft around them using uh, four different symbols. The symbol of the other aircraft is showing relative to the aircraft on my display, in this case, my navigation display. And it shows the height 
above or below my aircraft, and it can have an arrow also showing whether this other aircraft is climbing or descending. The four different symbols are a white hollow diamond, and this means that the aircraft is classed as other traffic as more than six miles away, which is around 10 kilometres. And then there's a filled white diamond, and this is classed as proximate traffic. And this now means that the other aircraft is within the six miles, or 10k, and 1,200 feet vertically, which is around 365 metres. Now things start to heat up. If this traffic gets closer, and our TCAS system estimates that it will get within 25 to 45 seconds of us, the solid white diamond turns into an amber-coloured circle. And on the 777, an amber word traffic appears on our navigation display. We call this a traffic advisory, and we all get an oral warning that sounds like this. Traffic. Traffic. Our job is to try and identify this traffic visually and manoeuvre as required if needed. And the last one is the resolutionary advisory, or an RA. And as you can imagine, this is the not the good one to have. The TCAS system, it's now calculated that the conflicting aircraft will enter my airspace within about 20 to 30 seconds, and this amber circle turns into a red square. The traffic alert message on the navigation display, that turns red, and we get an oral warning like this. Descend, descend, descend. We also have on our flying display, that's the one that shows us the nose position relative to the horizon. We get an indication of whether we need to climb or descend in order to avoid this conflicting traffic. Now, because the TCAS system is so smart, the other aircraft, they will also get an indication on their display to do the opposite to us. And the procedure we follow for a TCAS RA is this here. So we get the warning. Descend. Descend. Descent. We immediately disconnect the autopilot and the auto throttle, and we smoothly adjust the pitch to follow the RA command. We simply tell air traffic control we are performing a TCAS RA maneuver, and once we are clear of the conflicting traffic, we'll report back to air traffic control that we're returning to the previously assigned altitude. And a computer-generated voice will also say, "Clear of conflict." Well, that's what you do on the 777 and obviously on more modern aircraft such as the Airbus A380. With the autopilot engaged, the autopilot will actually do this automatically for you in a TCAS RA situation. Yeah, that's to my understanding as well. I don't think there's many aircraft that do it automatically. I think aircraft coming out nowadays, they are starting to become automated in their traffic avoidance. So pilot doesn't need to intervene. Yeah. Anyway. So TCAS has significantly reduced in-flight and mid-air collisions since its implementation. However, it still has had its hiccups, and lack of training and uh, different regulatory rules still have meant uh, there's been the odd incident. You may recall, if you read in the news back uh, in 2002, the devastating mid-air collision where a freighter 757 collided with a Russian Tupolev aircraft. And the uh, Tupolev pilots didn't follow their TCAS resolution advisory and instead followed the incorrect instructions uh, which they were given by the air traffic control. Yeah, a fundamental issue in this case was that it was mandated in Russia that air traffic control instructions had a priority over TCAS advisories at the time. And as a result of this very sad incident, the Russian Aviation Authority has aligned with international standards. And now all TCAS RAs worldwide take priority 
over air traffic control instructions anywhere in the world. So have you ever had a uh, TCAS RA in your blind career? Yeah, yeah, I have actually. I've had one. I've had a few traffic advisories, and this is generally due when aircraft are descending to a level just above you or below you or climbing below you. If they've got a very high rate of descent, it can sometimes generate a TA, but the plane's going to level off, but it does make you aware. It's been reduced a lot because as we are approaching our altitudes now, we ensure that our rates of descent are or climb are reduced. But I have had a TCAS RA about three or four years ago in, uh, where was I? I was in Kenya. We found out later on that they had a problem with the power and they lost air traffic control radar down there. They were putting us all into the hold at different levels and it was utter chaos on the radio and we were getting descents in the hold. And we were second from bottom in the hold and as we were going out down in the hold, there was a plane coming right down the middle of the hold, a turboprop at the same level. And uh, we even knew we were going to get a TCAS RA. And uh, so we started to manoeuvre the aircraft slightly out of the hold, but then we got the TCAS RA to descend. The subsequent inquiry, because there's an inquiry with all this, to mess up on either the pilot's fault or the air traffic control fault. The other aircraft wasn't very good at understanding or speaking English, and they had descended inadvertently to our level in the hold, and air traffic control not having radar had not seen this. The TCAS system RA did its job. We were at night, and we could visually kind of see the plane, but still pretty hard to see. And so the TCAS RA, is, it's a brilliant system. And it just generates a lot of paperwork for us afterwards, but uh, but good paperwork anyway. It was interesting. So I suppose quite a few people will be wondering about sort of drones and light aircraft in here as well. And does this sort of all work in with each other? Yeah, the TCAS system, it's, uh, to my understanding, it's a fairly expensive system, but there is a new system developed called ADSB which stands for Automatic Dependent Surveillance Broadcast. And the ADSB, it's automatic in that it requires no input from a person or a pilot, and it's dependent, and that simply means it just depends on data from the aircraft's navigation system. So a similar concept to TCAS, but using a different computer avionic technology. So like I said, it's cheaper, and it's more available to light aircraft, and it's easier to adapt to the likes of drones, gliders, and basically anyone who wants to take on the atmosphere. And this can only make things that fly around in close proximity to one another a lot safer, as they can now be aware of one another and thus avoid meeting up in the air. So we've talked about a couple of uh, sort of pivotal technological enhancements that have significantly improved the safety record of airline transport aircraft. The Ground Proximity Warning System, or GPWS, was a major factor in reducing the air accident statistics. And then the Aircraft Collision Avoidance System, or TCAS, has also helped this. This not only backed up air traffic control, but provided the flight crew with the instrumentation needed to increase their situational awareness to other aircraft around them, and allowed the avionics systems to generate directions to both conflicting aircraft to avoid each other. That's a pretty good summary, JD. Well done. The next episode, we'll be talking about flight planning, overflight charges versus distance, uh, navigation, and we'll talk briefly about a term called ETOPS, and we'll finish on airport design. 
So from me, thank you very much for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it. And from James. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Don't hesitate to get in contact with us through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, or email if you're still that old. All those links will be in the show notes below. Have a good one and goodbye. Bit harsh on the old comment there, James, for emails. People still use them. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone.